Welcome back to the Grave Talk Podcast, where today we are discussing the end of the Halloween 2018 trilogy. Named Halloween Ends. Fittingly so. Aptly named Halloween Ends. Uh, We went and saw it last night, so before we get into this, let's just be straight. There's going to be insane spoilers. This movie has a lot of, like, kind of, quote-unquote, surprise twists at the end. So speaking of twists, John's not here to spoil anything out the gate. Oh, so let's just spoil it for him. Right. John's out sick today. Hope you feel better soon, man. We're going to send our love and a stripogram. You think his wife would appreciate that? If it's me, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, John's wife. This is happening. Um, But yeah, so there's going to be a ton of spoilers. So if you haven't seen Halloween Ends, definitely do not listen to the episode until you've seen it or just know that you're going to have a bunch of stuff spoiled. So that being said, let's go ahead and get into it. We don't even have a cult open today. That's how off the rails this thing gets when John's not here. We usually say it's Mark that holds us together, but secretly it's been John the whole time. We're all some sort of glue. We, we adhere this podcast together bit by bit. We're the horses that didn't win the race that became glue. Oh. Well, uh, before we do, was there anything you wanted to bring up? Any news you heard about or any movies you wanted to mention? Oh, man. I watched a lot of movies, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know if I'm going to spend too much time on them. I watched the new Hellraiser, which I know we're going to talk about, I think, next episode, right? Yeah. should be coming up real soon. I watched it as well. Okay. I'll hold off on my, my opinions for that then until we get there. Cool. Um, I do know that we have a Munsters uh, mini episode that we're going to be putting out. Right. Um, we're going to talk about Rob Zombie's The Munsters movie that came out on Netflix slash theater, I guess. I don't know if it came out in theater. I think it was Netflix only, but they did release physical copies of it as well. Okay. okay. Um, we did do a trailer reaction to that. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out on our YouTube video. We built it up enough to where we feel right. like we need, a, we need at least like kind of follow up on it. But I don't think it's full episode worthy. No. So I found out there's a new Jeepers Creepers that came out. Oh, good. I don't know if it's like an origin or what it is, but there's a new Jeepers Creepers that just came out. I, I can't For even all say three that people properly. that like that franchise. <laughs> it was really popular. The first one was good. I remember not liking it back. What was that early 2000s when that first one came oh, out? It had to be super early on, but that's yeah. like Justin Long in it, I think. Uh, he's in all the horror movies now. That he was doing. in Barbarian that was just came out. Oh, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. They did not announce him in the trailer at all. I thought he actually became a walrus in that movie Tusk. Because that was you, like, baby. you. <laughs> that was the last time I saw him until Barbarian. So it's good to see him getting work again. Yeah. Speaking of people getting work again, we saw a lot of trailers in front of this movie, as is the cinema's want. Right. Um, John Leguizamo. In Dude. like two or three of the trailers we saw, I was like, it's, I'm so glad he's getting work again. It's a flipping Leguizamo renaissance happening before our eyes. And I'm in for it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they cast him as the violator in Spawn. Why not? He was I, so good in that first one. I Oh, that's, yeah. Spawn is officially happening. Yeah. Uh, Todd McFarlane's Spawn is getting a, a gritty, heavy R reboot from Bloomhouse and a couple of people. That, but yeah, other than that, there was a, a bunch of cool trailers. The Menu. Um, which is the one that they all go to this like, you know, secret fancy like dining thing and then shit just goes tits up. That looks really interesting and creepy. It's a twist on one of those stories like the most dangerous game or something, right? Where they're hunting humans, but it's like a culinary twist. What else did they have? They had a trailer. Oh, for something with the devil. What was that one? Come up and for the devil or come at for the release the devil. The devil inside me. No, that was... Um, the Devil Within? <laughs> something... Pray for the Devil. Pray for the Devil. That's there we it. go. Too many devil Trained movies. Trained professionals. Yes. <laughs> so um, that was a really interesting um, exorcism movie that's coming out, or is coming out next week or this week, about the first female uh, woman who becomes an exorcist. Right. And it kind of seems like an exorcist school. Yeah, which is true. Remember, because John talked about yeah. that. He was going to take online courses at one point. Yeah, it, was, it, it reminded me of like the Doctor Strange School of Magic you know, okay. they're all training up all, yeah, they're training up all the exorcists for the next round of uh, 
battling the demons, I guess. Yeah, and they're like, like we have a female who's observing for the first time, although it's just an you know, observation, and then like she walks in and like totally interacts with the uh the demon. That it took to 2022 to get a female exorcist up in here. Come on. Look, the Catholic Church is a powerful entity, Mark. Oh, that's true. You can't just take on the Catholics head on. Those wheels are slow to move. <laughs> I get it. But no, it actually looks really creepy, though. It does. I'm, I'm interested. I'm hold out of hope. Uh, I'm not a big exorcist movie fan. I think most of them suck. If only there was someone on the Grave Talk podcast who we could depend on to watch this exorcism movie and report back. Yeah, maybe that'll be John. All in all, pretty good trailers for the beginning of the Halloween Ends movie. But before we get into that, I did want to mention... That <laughs> it's like, it was like, great segue, and then it was like we pull it right back into Hold On. I had something to say. Okay. Uh, it won't take long. Um, I've been playing the third entry in the Dark Pictures anthology by Supermassive Games. They are known for Until Dawn, The Quarry, um, and a couple of VR games as well. I played House of Ashes. If you're not familiar with the gameplay style, it's more of like a cinematic narrative that you will come in and out of character control, and you have to make decisions a la... Real-time events and stuff. Right, and yeah. it really reminiscent of those old books, Choose Your Own Adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to keep these survivors live to the end of the horrific story. Um, this one, House of Ashes, is set underneath the earth, uh, but you want to think, uh, what was the damn cave movie? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, The Descent? Yeah, think The Descent uh, with a better fleshed out lore to uh, what's going on underneath. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. I think it's one of the better ones of the three they've done, and the fourth one is coming out in November called The Devil Within. Yes. Um, so I'm probably going to pick that up. And eventually I'm going to get around to Quarry because I do enjoy their games. Yeah. No, actually, we're going to be streaming the Quarry. So um, okay. as we mentioned before, we are we have a Twitch channel set up. We're going to start um, as soon as I get done with uh, my Horror for the Holidays uh, stuff. Also, if you're going to be in Austin, Texas, uh, Thanksgiving weekend, come check out Horror for the Holidays. I'll have a booth set up. We'll have some Grave Talk stickers, um, a few possibly, if we get it done in time, the Grave Talk um, Garbage Pail Kid cards. You can swing by, say hey to me. Mark might show up if he's lucky. Hmm. And um, get in early, but yeah, it's be other crowded. Than that, as soon as as soon as I get all the prep done for that, we're actually going to do uh, the streaming. We'll be twice a week, and we'll be streaming all these horror games and kind of you know joining you guys to talk about them and partake. Maybe we get to listen to Garrett scream like a girl when he gets terrified of a video game. You could probably set up an OnlyFans for that. I'm not proud. I'm not <laughs> proud, but it's going to happen probably. Yeah, good stuff. House of Ashes, uh, the third entry so far, the better of the three that have come out fourth on the way so you liked it better than the second one the one with the witches yeah that one was called insert title here yeah which i'm not gonna do so just know that <laughs> whatever this it was one. it was man of medan was the first one that one was okay and the then ghost we, ship one yes and then we had uh little hope little hope that's what it was called uh right and there was like a witch uh twist to that with a baby and yeah i remember that one but that one was creepy yeah they're all worth it and plus they're only about four and a half hours long and you can get a get those for between 20 and 40 bucks depending on which one you get it's a hell of a deal yeah so check them out if you're into horror games but why don't we get into today's movie which is halloween ends that came out this year 2022 if you're listening in the year 2030 i almost (laughs) corrected you and said it's 2023 mark because time and space is officially a fucking mystery yeah um yeah it is messed up time it is 2022 and yes we finally got the the end to this franchise well this the trilogy yes um the david gordon green trilogy and they got the what was the first one 2018 right so four years we wrapped three movies Mm -hmm. now this one got delayed because of COVID specifically. So mm-hmm. I think the timing, they kind of tried to retcon a little bit of like, oh, this is a couple years later. So just to remind the listeners, we've retconned every Halloween movie 
from the first after the first one. Yes, Halloween right. one, John Carpenter's Halloween one. You cut right to Halloween 2018, which this all takes place 40 years after the events of Part One. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think overall about this trilogy? Do you think it's successful? Do you think it deserved to wipe away those sequels and put itself in in their place? Well, if you go back and listen to our Halloween 2018 episode, Mark, Mm -hmm. shameless plug for the Grave Talk podcast, um, which you're listening to right now. I guess you don't have to plug the podcast that you're listening to, but (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway. Go listen to our other stuff. We've got lots of episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I absolutely love 2018. I loved what they did. I thought it was great. I really like the Sam Hain aspect of part two. I kind of wish this new trilogy would have leaned a little bit into that in some capacity. But um, I love 2018. Now, Halloween Kills, there's parts. I, I, I love the concept of like, maybe we're the monsters. But again, how, you know, evil dies tonight. Need we say more? At least they gave us that catchphrase that we could say for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I loved I loved the way they brought stuff back. The kills and um, the kills and kills was um, next level. Like some of the unique ways that people died. They really put a lot of thought and a lot of love into Halloween Kills. So I enjoyed it quite a bit. Again, some of the dialogue, excessively cheesy in my opinion, could have been cleaned up a little bit, but the plot, I was in for. Michael Myers, still, James Jude Courtney, masterful at playing the shape. So good. And then we come to this one, and we'll talk more about it in this particular, but I do think that rebooting it was okay, was a good idea, because you, you could definitely wipe... I mean, I liked Halloween Resurrection. Was it Resurrection? No, H2O. Mm-hmm. I liked H2O, which was supposed to be like the other end cap of the franchise originally. So I was cool with them wiping it. I enjoyed 2018. I thought it was a great start to a trilogy. Um, 20, I'm sorry, Halloween Kills didn't do much for me, and it was kind of a little drawn out. And they tried to get so heady with some of their themes and stuff that I didn't think was as successfully portrayed. I mean, it was portrayed. It was like they were beating you on the head with it. Um, I think it really slowed down some of the pacing of this trilogy. And to be quite frank, I don't even think you need to watch the second one. You could go from one to the third, other than you just need to know, oh, by the way, Michael Myers killed Laurie Strode's daughter. And you can jump straight into the third one. Well, in the third one, at the beginning, there is Laurie Strode like talking, like she's writing a book, but it's kind of just voiceover narrative. And it just recaps the entire trilogy so far. So like previously on Halloween... So when you can exclude the middle chapter of your trilogy, I don't think that makes for a successful trilogy. We had some really good um, Anthony Michael Hall. Sure. Like moments, uh, I'm not but. saying that there's not things to like about the yes. middle one. I'm just saying it's almost unnecessary for the story. Um, the way they recap at the beginning of um, Halloween Kill or Halloween Ends, I definitely think it kind of cheapens. Like, like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it, but I'm good. Right, definitely. Um, I I wish we hadn't retconned Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2. I like that movie. I don't see why that had to get retconned. So fucking creepy. And who doesn't love Halloween 3? But that's its own well, that's, thing. Yeah, it's yeah, totally so. separate. Don't don't open that can of the worms on the podcast <laughs> right. just yet. All the rest of them, four, five, and six, utter trash. I'm totally okay with those getting wiped out. So we're good there. I love Paul Rudd. Sure. Four. Yeah. Uh, f- five. Five, I'm, I think. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, um, what do we think now that it's concluded? What do we think Halloween ends uh, brings to Michael Myers that hasn't been done before? Anything? What do you think? Yeah. I. I okay. So... I've been thinking about, because we saw it yesterday. And this is how, what iteration of Michael Myers is this? Like 
how many movies are we at now? 15? Oh, easily. Something like that? Yeah, it's something like that. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I didn't want to like rush to an opinion. I'm glad we had the night to think about it, mm-hmm. because I will tell you that I actually enjoyed this movie. I think it's pretty decent. I wouldn't say it's fantastic, but I thought it was worth the watch, and I was Out glad I saw it. five stars, since that's three. what you guys use. Three? Three stars. I'm going to give this one a 3.5, actually. Okay. Because I really like, and, and getting close to a four, I really like one of the concepts they use in this, this uh, storyline, which we'll get into in a minute. But I also thought the way they went about it felt a little bit heavy-handed, which I feel like might just be a thing with the writers. Because, again, Halloween Kills was very heavy-handed. Like, it's almost like they didn't trust us to get the themes. Right. And we also pick up, again, where uh, Laurie Strode, remember, in the first one, she's like a crazy, like... Survivalist, yes, like... Prepper, like a prepper, yes. right? She's been waiting for this terrifying moment to happen to 40 years. You see her in movie three, that's gone. Well, that's, that's the whole point, though, of her character's arc, is in part one, you know, like... Was she keeping Michael Myers alive by doing what she was doing? You know, was she responsible? And in this movie, they actually kind of like mention that. They kind of bring that back. And two, it's very much, I, I can't really, it's more like, you know, like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe by us being this way about Michael Myers, we are just as responsible as he is for Haddonfield's situation. And in this one, it's very much like, I've moved past that, but can I? I'm going to quote Benicio Del Toro's character from Sin City. Yeah, flip it, flip it for real. Oh, that's, um, that's Usual Suspects, my bad. Right, wrong one. Where he said, a smoker's always a smoker when the chips are down. I think that that prepper mentality is always in there, but that is completely removed from movie three. But again, though. But I know she went through therapy and they tried to explain it, but I think there would still be that inkling in the back of the mind. Like she moved into a house with zero traps after having but, a trap house. Okay. So, but <laughs> at the end, when she lays that trap, that inadvertent, well, not inadvertent, but when she lays that, that plan, she's still in prepper mindset. Like she's just locked that Lori Strode away in case she ever needed to let it out. And she did at the very end. I think she would still have a cabinet of guns. That's where I'm getting Maybe. at. Maybe she wouldn't make the whole house a giant bamboo like trap with spikes <laughs> or whatever, but she would still have a, a, a you know a case of rifles on hand. But she did have a handgun at the end, right? Locked Remember? in a safe. Okay, all right. I, I I see what you're saying, but I think that you're you're seeing it just a little bit different. What actually played out? Yes, her character does go with a, a complete arc, but that's the whole point because she's no longer like that. And then we see the effects of that on the the daughter. Let's actually name the characters real quick because we're going to just call them character one and two until we do. Right. So we got Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. We've got Andy Matichak. I apologize for terrible names. As Allison. We got James Jude Courtney as The Shape. We've got Rowan Campbell as Corey. And then, of course, we've got Will Patton as Frank. You know, we've got a bunch of other side characters that we all know from the previous uh, movies. I am going to call out one character or two characters that were really fun. Rick Moose, who played Ronald, which was um, Corey's dad or father figure. Ah, the, then, yeah, the, the guy who owns the junkyard. Yes. And then also Kieran Harris, who played Willie the Kid, the uh, radio DJ. Oh, right. Both okay. those characters were, were very memorable, so I wanted to give them a quick shout-out also. Sure. I've got the tom- uh, Rotten Tomato score here. All right, let's go. Got a 39% with the critics. <laughs> okay. Um, again, this is only out a couple days now. Um, two, it just came out, what, Thursday night, right? Uh, we're at 146 reviews with the critics, and it's at a 57% with the audience out of 500 plus at the time of recording. Now, let me ask you a quick question about that 57%. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because the final scene? I don't understand that. Now, you you mentioned that in the theater that apparently many of the viewers 
really dislike the final, what, five minutes of the movie? Yeah, the last five to ten minutes of the movie. Um, I think it made perfect sense. Like, I understood why that would happen in a town that's been terrorized by a monster again, for 40-something yes, years. Yes, and we'll totally talk about that. But yes, there is a scene at the end that has been very polarizing for most of the audience. Either they love it, they hate it, or they're just like, why? Yeah, no, I, I got it. But here's what the synopsis is for this movie. Oh, you're going to play the music probably. Never mind. Cue the music. (laughs) Four years after her last encounter with masked killer Michael Myers, Laurie Strode is living with her granddaughter and trying to finish her memoir. Myers hasn't been seen since, and Laurie finally decides to liberate herself from rage and fear and embrace life. However... When a young man stands accused of murdering a boy that he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that forces Lori to confront the evil she can't control. Pretty decent synopsis. That's a good synopsis. So just to kind of loop back to my question, like, do you think there's any differences or changes to Michael Myers in this portrayal than any other version of him in the movies? Yes, but I don't think it paid off. Mm -hmm. Like that was my biggest, that was my, my major complaint with this movie. Michael Myers has a very different take when you first get, you know see him again in this movie. He, he's kind of, you know, he's your classic Michael Myers, but he's got a little bit different way about him. And I thought that was going to be a bigger plot point. It wasn't. He right. just kind of reverts back to standard Mike Myers mode. And like, I almost say like two thirds of the way through. And to be quite frank, he's absent from the majority of this film. It took so long to get Myers to show up. And I was like, I actually in the theater, I was like, at some point, there's going to be Michael Myers in my Michael Myers movie, right? Uh, now, now, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your, on your dinosaur tour, right? This literally could have been Friday the 13th 5, where we had the fake Jason. Like, they could have almost omitted him from the movie. But you know what I mean? Like, it could have been Roy the janitor or Roy the copper. Who, or no, <laughs> Roy was a, uh, he worked for the ambulance team. Yes. Uh, who ended up being the fake Jason into that. But that, we kind of get that. Fake Jason! <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that's more or less kind of what happens here, but with a twist. Right. So as the synopsis. Shyamalan sheds a tear. <laughs> Bravo, you magnificent bastards. I can no longer twist. I'm all <laughs> twisted up. Um, like a magician's animal balloon. <laughs> <laughs> So this story starts out uh, Halloween 2019 is the year that splashed across the screen. We see that a boy named Corey is going to be babysitting this young kid who's probably about seven years old or so. A little monster, if you will. Basically rich kid. Right. He kind of sucks. His parents are going out to a Halloween party. They end up watching the movie The Thing, John Carpenter's the thing i thought the mom was having an affair with Corey, dude the way she was looking at him she, i thought that too and then like, she's like can i talk to you alone in the hallway for a minute and i was like i thought she was like she's writing out her number and i was like you can call me later i was like whoa what the fuck's about to happen here but no she was just being weird because she's a bad mom right i thought that was gonna happen too so they leave and uh after they finish watching the movie the kid starts being a punk to Corey, and is like you suck you're the worst babysitter ever well they say don't let them watch scary movies and they're watching john carpenter's a thing right <laughs> Uh, but he's like, Michael Myers is going to kill you because uh, they kill. He kills all the babysitters. Yeah, he was like, he was like totally taunting the babysitter. He's like, no, I'm fine. He kills babysitters, bro. Right. So Corey goes into the kitchen to get himself a snack. He, well, he 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 thinks he's going to get a beer, but instead, my man chooses the right thing. He gets some chocolate milk. Now, how do you show that your character is a good character? He puts the beer away. He's going to be responsible. Yes, right? he is. This is the the this is the kid that your parents want you to bring home. 
That was a very <laughs> weird way of saying that. I but know. Yes, I like it. No, um, yeah. So he's he's going to be responsible. He's doing the right thing. Um, he recommends that like before bed they play hide and seek, and the kids like I don't want to play hide and seek. Fuck that. And then he's like, fine, I'm going to go get that cake and some some cake and some chocolate milk. I mean, a man after my own heart. I get it. And you know a kid that's too good for hide and seek is a spoiled little shit. So, um, but anyway, he comes back. He hears a noise mm-hmm. and he goes back in. The kid's gone. He's thumping around the house. Uh, the the movie shows us a knife left in the kitchen and the knife vanishes. Yep. We're supposed to think that, oh, man, could Myers be in the house here? Because at this point, they, they kind of mentioned that, like, you know, like, the boogeyman never got caught, but he hasn't been around, so it's probably just over. But this, the city's never fully like come to terms with it, so everyone's still very freaked out and pissed off about you know the whole Michael Myers thing. Yeah, and it's almost become like a tall tale, you mm-hmm. know, after this much time's passed. So he goes upstairs looking for the kid. He ends up in the attic, and of course the door shuts and locks, and he can't get out, and he's freaking out. Which I'm sorry, if you're a babysitter and the kid goes in the attic, he's in the attic. He let him chill. He'll come out eventually. Right. But he starts freaking out and banging against the door. And then he starts hearing something from the other side. And he breaks the door down, which inadvertently smacks the kid in the face. And the kid takes a spill over the balcony uh, banister and breaks his neck. Well, let's put two let's put two uh, details on this that are really important. This is a huge, massive like house. So there's like three stories, and it's like a spiral like staircase banister that goes up. Right. So if you fall over the banister, you're dropping three stories right down in the middle of the the house. Um, and number two, the kid had been fucking with him. Like the kid was taunting right. him and yelling at him at the door. It's like like ah, I'm not letting you out. You know, you're gonna get killed. And Corey, I couldn't tell if he was scared or if he was just like I'm done with this. I'm getting out of here. I think maybe like he was getting some sort of like claustrophobia or something. Like he was just freaking the hell out. So like, he was I need freaking out. Of out. Here. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he was just really angry. He was locked in the closet, you know, the, the attic. So, but yeah, as you said, he kicks open the door, which flies open, hits the kid in the face. He whips over the balcony right as the parents are walking in and they see their child fall and splat to death right in front of them. The mom freaks out, looks up, and then you can see Corey leaning over the balcony with the bloody knife. Mm-hmm. Or the knife. And I'm just like, dude, what are you doing holding that knife? Yeah, put the knife down, son. Now we cut to what? Like a year later or something like that? Well, I do want to touch on the opening. I really okay. like the pumpkins in the title sequence. Oh, how they kind of like reveal. Right. Like, the so from inside, inside of, of the pumpkin, it like splits open and another pumpkin kind of grows from inside. Mm-hmm. So time has passed and he's been cleared of the charges. We didn't get to see any of that go down, but it's, uh, yeah, four years later or something like that, right? Yes. Now 2022. Um, Corey has now become an outcast of Haddonfield. Yeah, because he he inadvertently killed a kid, man, inadvertent manslaughter charges, but he's let off. But his life has not recovered. No, and he's working for his uncle at the junkyard. Is it his uncle? I thought it was like his his dad, like his like stepdad or whatever. Well, I know the mother was there, but the, the mother's there. But right. that, I think that's, that's his stepdad. Okay. Gave him a job. Well, whoever his father figure is gave him a job and a motorcycle. So now I can get around town mm-hmm. and get to work on time. So good for him. Um, but yeah, the, the, the film does a very good job of showing you how the entire town has turned on this boy. Um, I guess nobody accepted that it was an accident because the mother sure shit didn't. Well, some of the city did. Some of the town did. But like, it sounds like it was a very long, drawn out acceptance because many characters throughout this movie kind of like point out like it took a long time for anybody to be cool with him and they always like look at him still behind his back and for a long time they wouldn't talk to him and 
it more or less kind of leads you to think like, did the town foster this antisocial, almost psychotic behavior? They did. Yeah. Right. And, but that's why I was curious, like, did this go to trial? Like, like I'm curious what this investigation would have looked like because like if, if the cops or, you know, the authorities came over and said like, look, this kid didn't do it. It was an accident. Like, I don't think that would have harbored such ill will towards this kid for four years. I don't know how powerful the parents were either. Maybe they were big players in the Haddonfield <laughs> society was, or whatever. That was Peter Haddonfield's house. Is oh, what you're saying? Holy la la. shit. That house was gorgeous, though. <laughs> Very nice. Very but, jealous. Yeah. And then so we, we see him. We get an idea that like his life has not been great and he's just trying to survive you know, going through what he goes through, getting picked on by people, you know, always being looked at and like, oh, I remember you. You're that psycho that killed that kid. And he's just like, uh, you know, like trying to like hold it together. Well, but you can mention, tell he's... Let's mention the bullies. Okay. Dri- riding around in a convertible, like whatever car. It's it's basically, um, <laughs> it's basically Tad from the Goonies with those kids. <laughs> this is the newest twist on bullies I've ever seen. Get ready for this, America. Band geeks that are the bullies. <laughs> are you ready to be bullied by a trumpet player? <laughs> you you got to be a real piece of shit to get bullied by the band. When a ska band is potentially your future, you're not that high on the totem pole. Oh, is that your blood on the ground? Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. <laughs> so, yeah. This um, I, I thought he was was he he's out of high school though, right? Yeah, he said he was twenty one when he was uh, babysitting the kid four years early. He was going to college, right? Yeah, so I think he was like eighteen, nineteen, or whatever. But like, yes, at this point, he's old enough to drink because these characters are drinking. But like, yeah, these high school band kids are like picking on him. And to be fair, really being assholes, so not we're, excusing their behavior at all. No, we're introduced to them like they want him. They want him to buy them beer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nah, remember, he's still a good kid inside somewhere. I thought it's because he was on probation. Well, also, I thought, he, I thought sure. it was like still like, like, I can't buy you beer because I, I don't know if you know who I am. But we don't know if he was charged with anything. True. So True. he might not be. He's just an outcast. Well, involuntary manslaughter. So he was charged with that. He was found guilty of that. He was. Yes. Okay. Because the that. cop, Frank, later on from our previous two movies is uh, like, oh, yeah, I remember okay. that kid. You know, that the city really turned on him. That wasn't fair. He only had involuntary manslaughter. You know, Frank knew that this kid, it was an accident. Right. But Frank's also seen some shit. So I feel like he's more like willing to be cool about stuff. The whole town has seen some shit. So he de- he declines politely. I will not be buying you miners beer. I am not going to break the law. They start kicking the shit out of him. And just in time, Lori Strode shows up and she like, well, he, he has a Yoohoo bottle in his hand because he's still got that chocolate milk thing going on. And they're like, chocolate milk, you fucking nerd. And I'm like, yo, you back <laughs> off my man. All right. Give that so, man some Yoohoo. But no, they push him too far and he squeezes the bottle in his hand and breaks it in his hand. Like, so he like fists like the, um, how do, let me say that in a better way. It doesn't sound like sexual. Um, <laughs> he, he crushes the, the glass bottle in his hand and like shards go into his hand. And so he's trying to control it. And then he's like, huh? And they're like, wait a minute, you're that psycho. And then they started going like fucking full ape shit on him. Mm-hmm. And that's when Lori Strode's like, get the fuck away from him. They're like, oh, well, well, look who it is. It's Freak Show and Psycho. And I do love the interaction because after the bullies leave, uh, Lori Strode goes, so which one are you, Freak Show or Psycho? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what a great like little like way to break the tension. He'll answer that later. Yes, he will. He gets his, bandage, his, he gets his hand bandaged up by Lori's granddaughter, mm-hmm. which is Allison. Correct. She's now uh, a nurse at the hospital, and uh, we're going to find out she gets passed over for a promotion uh, yeah. in her line of work. By a bubbly little, like, you know, kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. your standard basic character. Drinking pumpkin spice lattes, you know, mm-hmm. the real basic is... Sleeping with the boss, which we'll find out later also. Which is why she got the job promotion. You think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, he gets a hand bandaged up, but they start to have uh, chemistry. A meet cute, if you will. So Corey and Allison start- meet spelled M E A T because he's got glass in his oh. hand. And and while they're having this like meet cute, like you actually see a close up shot of them like pulling the glass out of the wound, and I'm like, this is very very uncomfortable for me. It was a bad wound. There you go, listeners. Don't do that. Don't do, <laughs> don't crush you who in your hand. Avoid glass through the skin is what we're saying here today. <laughs> A little blurry in the details here, but is this when um, they go out to that Halloween party? Uh, she so they they have this kind of weird meet cute type thing where you know because again uh, Allison has also dealt with the um, the reaction of Haddonfield. You know she's looked at kind of like this like oh poor thing what a survivor you know she went through all this stuff you know oh she's got that crazy grandma you know her mom died so she also knows what it feels like to be a complete outcast so that's the that's the connection these two have and plus she thinks he's cute. Mm. You know, which not, I'm not going to say he's not. He's a cute dude. Um, so they kind of have this weird little moment, but he's not picking up on it. Like he kind of is like, oh, wow, she's cute. But like in his mind, there's no way. During this, like somehow it comes up that her car's busted because it was a cop that harasses her earlier because her right. muffler's hanging off or something. And it's got a rattle. So she finds out that he works at the junkyard. Bada boom, bada bing. They cut back to home and Lori's like hanging out with um, Lizzie and uh, Allison. And they're like, you totally brought him there on purpose. And she's like, yes, I did. Laurie Strode back at it again. Matchmaker Laurie Strode. And um, it, it was pretty it was a fun kind of scene to show you that they've kind of moved on and established this kind of, you know, stability with their life in some fashion. But Laurie's still I don't want to say controlling of Allison, but definitely is kind of like trying to guide her on a path that she thinks that she needs to be on. I think she's she has uh, some responsibility for the death of her parents. So she's trying, trying to fill that role. Also some guilt yeah. of, you know, like, I put her through this. I need to get her life back in a good direction. Right. So I think that's what she's doing. Being more motherly than she used to be because mm-hmm. Allison doesn't have anybody. But how old is Allison? She's in her 20s, Allison's too. Allison's definitely old enough to drink. I think she's old enough. at the bar. She's also old enough to make her own decisions without True, grandma's but again, guiding hand. This kind of goes back to, you know... Um, because Allison sticks around Haddonfield. She later tells uh, Corey that she's stuck around Haddonfield because she's like, if I leave, I don't know what will happen to my grandma. When they, when she said that, I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's a perfect reason to leave. Start over. Start fresh. But she's afraid that if she leaves, her grandma's going to kill her. She's afraid Lori's going to kill herself, and which plays in later on in the movie. But like, um, so she's stuck there because she feels an obligation. Lori feels an obligation to her out of, I put her through all this stuff. I can't just leave her or abandon her because... I've, you know, otherwise she's fucked up and I've got to kind of keep her life on a good path. So it's this weird duality. They both feel responsible and guilty and kind of like obligated to each other mm-hmm. when in actuality that is kind of creating a toxic situation for both of them. And that's at the end when, when uh, Allison does leave town, spoiler, she does kind of cut, both of them come to grips with like, okay, cool. This had to happen. You know, we were overthinking it and we were letting other shit control what should have just happened. So, yeah, so they have that little moment where, you know, they kind of you get an idea of like, oh, they both feel kind of weirdly obligated to each other. And at this point, we cut to Corey's house where his mom is just an overbearing psycho. Think, um, think Carrie, think um, not quite mommy dearest. Yes. Just tone down a little bit. But just basically like she's she's a bit much. Yeah, she's probably that way because of what happened to her son and how the town sees Mm -hmm. him. Right. So she's being very overprotective. Right. Corey is going to be massively messed up. He already is. 
Yeah. And at this point, he gets a text from Allison, who's like, hey, you want to go to a costume party? And the mom's like, you shouldn't be texting girls at dinner. No more wire hangers. You know, like, it's just a whole thing. Like, she's going off. Who's that calling you under the dinner table? Who's that person you're texting? It's Boys who keep secrets don't get custard for dessert. And he's like, I don't have a costume. She's like, I'll take care of that. And so he's like, okay, cool. Let's do this. Let's, uh, let's go to this Halloween party. So let's rate their costumes. Corey's dressed up as a scarecrow with literally one of those 1985 like plastic masks with rubber bands on it. Mm-hmm. I was with a or- little slit that you put your tongue on it. You just cut the shit out of your tongue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had an Orco one from Masters of the Universe. All right, well when played, I was a kid. Well played. It was an okay costume. It was all right. I had a Frankenstein one. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, the monster though, not the doctor. No, the monster, of course. Okay, yes. sure. Now, what is Allison? Are they making Frankenstein? <laughs> are they making Doctor Frankenstein masks to go along with the Frankenstein monster? Masks? I think that just ends up being a mad scientist. Yes, there right? you go. Um, so, what is Allison dressed up? She's like? a sexy kitten. Can't and, go wrong. Okay, look, I'm going to say something, and audience, bear with me here for a minute. You're going to tell us what the sexiest animal is. <laughs> no, <laughs> we all know it's a porcupine, baby. Oh. Um, so, little danger, little hotness. Woo! You got to be real careful <laughs> when making love to a porcupine. Always on edge. <laughs> We're in 2022. I have seen some hot, sexy kittens at Halloween. This was not a sexy kitten. She literally just had like a long sleeve shirt on and a little like kitten mask. It was a long sleeve, like down to the, the wrists. So I was like, this is not a sexy kitten. I think I think Haddonfield needs to like get their sexy level reorganized. This was sexy kitten, but business casual. This is like if Angela from The Office decided to be a sexy kitten. <laughs> there you, know? you go, right? Um, but no. I'm it, showing ankle. Isn't that sexy enough? Well, it's funny because I don't remember what her, her friend was dressed as, but she was dressed way sluttier than the other one. But um, like anyway. A, a devil or something. Yeah, something like that. But anyway. We endorse Halloween here at the Grave Talks, what we're trying to say. You're damn right we do. But we don't endorse candy corn. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Look, I don't want to candy shame because I love all candy. But candy corn can go to hell. Yes. That and peeps. Rotten hell. <laughs> so we're at the Halloween party, which is the same damn bar from movie two. There's only one bar in Haddonfield, I guess. And that's one bar, one happened. radio station. Everybody, oh, we've got to talk about the radio station in a minute. Sure. Uh, yeah. Why don't we do that now? Right. Okay. So while all the characters are going around town, it keeps cutting into the radio station with Willie the kid mm. running his mouth. And he's all about Michael Myers this, Michael Myers that. Well, his whole, st- I love it. He's all like, you know, like. And you can't shut me up, so deal with it. And I was like, I like this guy's style. It was reminiscent of the movie four or five when we had that radio DJ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, it's a WURG, WURG Radio. But um, anyway, yeah, WURG. So Willie kind of pops in every now and then to kind of break some of the like, you know, the tension up and kind of you know, like do good transitions from different scenes and kind of catch up what's going on with the town. He's a great character that like just kind of is in the background. But later on, we do see him with Diana Prince. True. Uh, Darcy, the male girl, she's in this. She's got a great little cameo. I wish that hadn't been spoiled for me before I saw the movie. Oh, was it? So, yeah, people on Twitter were posting her image from the movie like two minutes before I went into the go see it. So oh. I was like, okay, well, I, but it was good to see her. She looked fucking gorgeous in this. She played shout the receptionist out. at the radio station. Yes. Oh, man, she looked so beautiful. Um, shout out. That's always fun to see, you know, people from the horror community. Yeah, Absolutely. So anyway, back to the Halloween party at the bar. Same bar as the other ones, which is run by or Lizzie is the uh, bartender, the main bartender. So that's why one of the reasons why we keep coming back to this location. So everyone's freaking out. We get a little dead Kennedys playing. Who doesn't like some DK in the middle of your Halloween party? They played Halloween by DK. So it was was fitting. (laughs) 
It so writes itself practically. I think guys. we had some cramps in there too. Yeah, we did at have some, some point. I think so. So we had some cramps. Uh, John's not here to say, but I will go ahead and speak for him. Slaps. Oh, slaps. Good soundtrack. Straight up. Yeah. Plus the Halloween theme and the 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 orchestration and then just you know the the Halloween theme in general will always be one of the most like iconic, creepy you know soundtracks and stuff. I you wonder combine how- that all together perfect sure i wonder how many more times john carpenter can rewrite that theme or tweak it just enough to get the paycheck i hope we find out <laughs> i hope we find out it's always good the way he does it so they're partying drinking Corey's feeling relaxed he's having a good time probably for the first time in four years he takes the mask off he takes his scarecrow mask off because before it, he was like very timid mm-hmm. and he was like i don't know if i should be doing this he starts having a good time with allison who's getting wild and crazy her dance moves just off the charts. Love it. So Corey, good or bad dancer? I think Corey suffers from white man syndrome, not white man syndrome. <laughs> it's a real problem out there. I think he suffers from basically just being so excited to be doing something. He's lost the rhythm. Oh yeah. He's just, he's just excited to be doing something to letting loose. If you end up on the ground, like convulsing. Like, yeah. Then you've lost the rhythm. <laughs> yes. Unless you're That's doing the worm. looks like. Unless you're doing the worm. Right. But he was on his back. Yes, so that was. can't be the worm. That is, I've lost the rhythm and I'm, and I'm white. Yes. So you know what I also miss from movies though? When everyone joins in the same dance, like Teen Wolf or Encino Man, where everyone does like the unified dance that the main character is doing. Okay. They yeah. all kind of follow it. Some choreographed thing. Yeah. Sure. Everyone's like, oh, that's a cool dance. And everyone starts doing the same thing. I miss that movie. We need to bring that back. <laughs> so, I miss that too. But yeah, he's he's having a blast. He's he's cutting loose. Allison's really excited to be connecting with someone because you can tell she's also, her demeanor's not so grumpy and angry at the world. Right. And as you touched on, as Corey's been shunned by the community, Allison has been outcast by the community before her ties with Michael Myers, the boogeyman. And Laurie Strode, who a lot of people have a lot of animosity for. They blame Laurie for keeping Michael around. Which is weird. I, that, that seems like victim blaming almost. Sort of. But when you see how she was, I could see it's not too far of a leap for them to get there. Right. I think they're just upset about what happened to them and they need someone to blame. Oh, of course. That's exactly what it is. So Corey goes to the bar to get another round. Forgot that he no longer has his mask on. And who would be sitting at the bar but the mother of the kid that died four years ago. Yep. And she's very nasty to him. And I, uh, to okay. a degree, I can see why. I'm about to say, yes. Unfortunately, I can't blame the mom too much. But she's like, you're here. You're just having a good time. And my son's still dead. Who do you think you are? And I was like, whoa, lady. I, I get it. But you got to calm down. But in Corey's defense, he can't put his life on hold forever. And this is this is objectively (laughs) well objectively this seems like the first time he may have had a good time in four years and she just fucked it up yeah yeah but you know it's just circumstantial they were in the same place i get it well Um, it's the one bar in town evidently as you said (laughs) right exactly everyone's there so he goes back and he starts freaking out the guilt is starting to wash over him again he's like why did you bring me here you know what happened you're mean blah 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 and he runs out the door well he already you know he runs out before then they had this conversation outside Remember, he just uh, leaves. She, she chases him down. Right. Yeah. He, he just right. leaves. He ditches Allison because he's freaked out. He's like, I shouldn't. Like, in his mind, I never should have done this. But yes, they have that whole conversation outside. Mm-hmm. And this moment was a very important moment in the movie for me. It seems inconsequential because it's just a, like a little like kind of like, you know, move the plot along conversation. But Allison reaches her hands out in this very weird kind of like open palmed upward, like half out to, you know, Corey, like almost like. I see you. I accept you for what you are and who you are. Right. Like, it's let like, me let me be where you're at. Like, and he doesn't quite understand that she also sort of understands. 
So he's, he's still in his mind, like, no one knows my pain. No one knows what it is to be me. I'm going to suffer alone, blah, blah. And she really kind of just like very politely and very accepting, like reaches out to him and right. he it's, misses it, it. It's her gesture of like, I want to help you through this. Not even I want to help you through it, but like, I, I get it. Let me be with you. Not like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend necessarily, but just like, like we're kindred spirits almost. Like she like really truly sees him for who he is. No, he it's an offering of you don't have to do this alone. Yes. But he I does. thought that was a great moment though. It was good, but he denies that and he runs off. And while he's walking down the street, he starts going over the, an overpass or a drainage ditch. And who's going to show up? The band geek mafia is here to beat your ass again. Still in their <laughs> band uniform stuff. Like this is what got me is like, oh, we did, did forget. you take it off at any point? No, man. You remember high school, the jerks that were wearing the Letterman's nonstop, like they had no other clothes in school. Like I that's always, what this is. I always wanted one of those to cut the sleeves off the Letterman part, the leather yeah. sleeves on just have like the letter on it. I never did. I lettered in band. I was a band Oh, did geek. you? Yeah. But I didn't wear it. I heard very. those jackets were like hundreds of dollars, though. Oh, so yeah, I, like 200 bucks. I wouldn't have been able to afford one anyway, if I even if I lettered in something. I think my Gam Gam had to pay for mine. Okay. All right. <laughs> I call her grandma. But okay. saying Gam Gam is fun. <laughs> no, but anyway, uh, we did forget to mention that uh, Corey uh, knifed their tire in the parking lot. Well, Lori Strode was like, do you want to do this or do I or should you? Right. And like, they, yeah, they slid his tire. So the, the to, band geek's tire. Right. To, so to bring the rivalry in continuance of the story, that's what happened. So they confront Corey on the street. They start calling him a freak and a psycho. Smash his um, glasses. Yeah, and step on his glasses. And then Corey's like, hey, well, you know what? I'm going to stand up for myself finally. And he really gets in the kid's face and said, you know, you know what you're going through is that your dad doesn't love you. So you're going to take it out on a random stranger. And we actually saw this earlier when um, Over the Allison junkyard. first goes to the junkyard to ask him to the party or whatever. Like right. um, we see that the, the band geek's dad, not band geek, but the band guy's dad is being an asshole to him. So, yeah, we actually know that his dad, like, verbally and mentally abuses him. Right. And now that he's been embarrassed in front of his posse, uh, this kid throws Corey over the side, which is a pretty big drop. Yeah. And he's knocked out cold. And it's they at least, they, like, 30 feet. They think they killed him, and they fucking skedaddle. Well, it's funny, because they're all like, he's all like, oh, my God, you killed him. And he's like... He fell. Y'all saw it. That's my story. And everyone's like, no. And he's like, yup. And they're like, okay, yup. <laughs> they, he fell. And that's the story. We're sticking to it. And it's like, all right, cool. I guess. Yeah. I thought that one girl, though, the blonde girl was going to basically like, no, I'm going to go check on him. But no, she gets right back in the car. She's like, you kill the kid. And they drive off. And I was like, wow. These, okay. These gangs of thugs always have that one character that doesn't think they should be doing what they're doing. <laughs> but just go along with it anyway. So cliche. So, yeah, he falls over and then he gets drug off by an unknown entity. And you see him getting drug into a drain pipe. Mm -hmm. And he awakes inside this sewerish looking area, mm -hmm. all dark. And as he starts to stumble outside, you catch the mask out of the corner of your eye and it grabs him by the throat. Yes. And what the, happens? The Michael Myers. Right. Not just the mask. Sorry. Sorry. The mask is <laughs> yeah. being worn by our yes. killer. He grabs him by the throat. And then we go through what looks to be, I thought this was some sort of spiritual like mind reading that Michael was doing on this okay. kid. This is the first moment I thought we had a Sam Hain thing. I did too. Because like as, as Corey's trying to leave, he's freaked out. He's like, I got to get out of here. What happened? Blah, blah, blah. And he gets grabbed by the throat. He's being choked to death. Like, you can see him like, holy shit. I was just waiting for that windpipe to crack. And we're zooming in closer and closer to Corey's eye. And it looks like there's like smoke or something moving across it. But I think it was just a lighting effect. Yeah. 
I thought like, you know, like, oh shit, is this where the Sam Hain, you know, we realize that this like evil is a, an entity upon itself. No, more or less what it is, is Myers sees the evil inside this kid, recognizes it and then lets him go. And you're like, okay, interesting. But you don't get that. It doesn't. You, not until the movie starts to play out later, but it literally seems like a supernatural moment's taking place. See, I didn't think supernatural the moment like it started playing out and it kept going and going. And I was like, oh, this is not supernatural. And that's what I thought it was after the fact. But yeah, it is very subtle. Like it can be interpreted multiple ways, honestly. But on the screen, you see the events of all the movie play out in rapid fashion. Yes. So what does that mean to the audience? I thought that was basically Myers recognizing that this kid had like, you know, like a bunch of trauma, not necessarily seeing it, but maybe, I don't know. I don't think it was a good visual choice. If you were going to go with something like what you're describing. When you're saying they actually flash to all the yes, events. You the see stuff. all the scenes, rapid cut of course, on, yeah. on the, on the theater screen. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? And then Michael releases him. is like, okay. And I was like, dude, did he just like get this guy into his, like, he's now allegiance to Michael Myers. Like, is he now spiritually linked to him? You know what I mean? There's so many things going on in your mind. It's like, okay. Cause then I start thinking like, okay, Myers is really limping around. He's weak. It's like, is he going to start killing people to regain his strength? You know, I have all these things going on. Well, that kind of happens. That actually kind of happens later on in the movie. But like, this is a good moment to talk about this real fast. And this is one of my biggest complaints with the, the new trilogy is the movies bounce around. Like at some point, Lori's like, you know, saying like the more he kills, the less he is human. And then other scenes, they're like, you're just a man. We can kill you. Yes. And then other times they're like, oh my God, he's the pure personification of evil. He's not human. And then other times they're like, we can kill him. If it, if it bleeds, we can kill it. You know? And I'm just like, make up your mind. Either, right. either he's like beyond anything we've ever known, or he's just a crazy fucking psycho dude. Is he a 70-year-old that can take a 10-minute to 20-minute beating by every human in Haddonfield? Mm-hmm. Or is he a monster of unimaginable strength and evil? Yeah. You can't have it both ways, but the movie takes it both ways. It, it, yeah, it's like it just couldn't decide which one. It, like, when it was convenient, it was either or. And that's why I'm telling you that the admitting the second movie makes the third one make more sense. Yes. Because that beating should have killed a 70 year old man heavily into the, you're just a human. Like you're just a man who's evil, you know, like, and it's like, okay, you're right. You could have taken out the whole fucking, the more he kills, the less human he becomes storyline of mm-hmm. two and negate it. Yeah. Okay. Good point. But yeah, that's my biggest, biggest complaint with this new trilogy is they just don't pick a lane with what Myers is. And I don't, the reason Michael Myers is the greatest slasher villain ever, you know, better than Jason, better than Freddy, all these guys is because he's supposed to be the personification of evil. And you do not know what drives him. You do not know how he got like this, what he's truly capable of, what is, what is inside, you know? And like, it just sucks that they keep bouncing back and forth. Cause I'm just like, damn it. Like, let me enjoy my like monster without right. having me like, Oh, and I thought like when he was looking at all the the stuff from Corey's eyes, I was like, if I flash back and see any of Michael Myers' childhood trauma of like his mom being mean to him and stuff, I was like, I'm out. Cue like, the Rob Zombie film. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know yeah. that you're right, dude. Like pick a lane and stick to it. I think by the time you're in the third movie of a trilogy, answer questions like this should have already been answered. And or let go. Yes. Take it for red. We also now see that a change comes over Corey. And that's also why I thought like maybe he's been changed spiritually or, you know, there's some supernatural evil happening Mm because now Corey is acting like 
flipping up the collar <laughs> almost like he's a fucking bad boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Riding that motorcycle causing trouble. I literally just flipped my collar for all you, you listeners. Did. You did. I watched it happen in real time. I'm going to be honest. It was hot and also intimidating. That's how you know I'm a bad boy. <laughs> but yeah, so the change is like that. Well, I think he just kind of accepts it. Like when, when, when Myers doesn't kill him, because they know who he is. Everyone knows who Michael Myers is. I think when he sees that, he's like, holy shit. Like, I'm just going to accept it. And perhaps I, I glossed over this, but he kills a homeless man immediately upon leaving the sewer. Yeah, the homeless man grabs him. He's like, I'm Michael Myers. I'll, you tell your friends I'm scary. And then he like, he, he's like, why did he let you go? Nobody's let go. Yeah. And the homeless man pulls a knife. On um, Which Corey, I, I think it was Corey's knife because he had it in the band geek. Yes, kerfuffle. it got knocked over earlier. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but then and then Corey kills this dude, stabs him multiple times, and then leaves. And then we cut back to some more uh, Laurie Strode, Allison. You know, Allison at work with the doctors. This is where she finds out she got passed over by the uh, promotion for the other shittier girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I say shittier girl. I don't know her personality, but we find out she's fucking the doctor to get a promotion. So let's call her shitty. Yeah, but like this is where we find that out. Corey, who was kind of standoffish, like basically was like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Allison. So we cut back to the home of uh, Lori Strode where Allison, you know, lives. And And Corey shows up. He's like, hey, look. Well, no, hold on. Let me say this one part because this is really important. Uh, Lori's working on her book, her manuscript thing, which Frank told her to write. And so she stops. She pauses after having this moment of realizing like what Michael Myers meant. And she looks out the window and Corey is standing down by the bushes just like Michael Myers from the original John Carpenter. And Laurie has this moment of like, what the fuck? Like, this, you know, deja vu. So she looks at him and this is where Laurie Strode like, wait a minute, this dude's not quite right. So are we now then after watching this movie to understand that evil as in Michael Myers, the shape evil, just the version of whatever evil is will always stand creepily in a bush. It's possible. So and basically, it, you know, zero scape your lawn right. is what we're saying. Because evil is always going to just half poke out of a bush and stare at you through your evil window. Evil can die tonight, but evil can also stand creepily by a bush. That was the theme for the third movie, Right, I think. that's what I got. But yeah, this is a very important moment because this is where, because Lori's the one who introduced the two. And now she's like, wait a minute, hold on. So she goes downstairs and then Corey kind of sneaks up on her. He's like, I didn't mean to scare you. I seen to talk to Allison because I ran out on her the other night and I just really want to say, hey, you know, Allison comes out and he's like, I should have done that. I'm really sorry. And they kind of have like a, re- like a reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But Lori's outside and really staring down Corey. And then she gets kind of panicky. And at this point in the movie, we find out later through dialogue and stuff that she's like, I see something in his eyes, which is very Michael Myers-ish. Michael Myers-ish. There you go. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's like, wait a minute. Hold the fuck up. So at this point, she's not on board with Allison seeing Corey. And the rest of the movie is going to, for a while, be, I don't think you should see him. I don't want you to see him. He's trouble. He's messed up. There's something about him that's very, you know, Michael-esque. Um, Allison's like, you can't tell me how to live my life. You've ruined my shit. You've kept me from doing what I want to do. I love the bad boys now. I'm going <laughs> to basically go hang out with him and ride on motorcycles. And they have conversations like, wouldn't you just want to burn Haddonfield down? And I thought it was so strange. Allison is now totally on board with this mentality. We're just, a, you I know, think she earlier, was always on board with it. But early in the movie, she's like, I don't want to leave. All my memories are here. Again, she didn't want to leave because of the obligation to Lori. But the thing is, she resents that. So to have someone say, do you want to burn this place down and get out of here? Yeah, because she finds Haddonfield to be a prison, a prison mm-hmm. of guilt, a prison of, you know, expectations that she has to be there. She doesn't feel comfortable with these people. 
That's why she connected with Corey, who also felt this way. So well, they start making plans to leave. Yes, they do. And and, and we, we kind of gloss over this dialogue, but this is really, really well written by the, the writers. Like this is really intense. You really get an idea of like, wow, these people are kind of suffering in their own ways. Like this town has created this perfect Venn diagram of people suffering. And in the middle is Haddonfield, like this, like Michael Myers Haddonfield, like mythology that kind of just fucks and haunts this town. Mm-hmm. Correct. It, it, it's not badly done. For sure. But Corey has accepted the fact that he's evil now. Like he's in his mind, he's like, I'm a bad guy. I'm a monster. I'm just going to accept it. So now he's going to go out. He goes back to the uh, the sewer. Well, they're at the diner. They're having dinner. During that conversation about wanting to light the world on fire or right, light Haddonfield on fire. They're at a diner, right? Having pie or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Coffee and pie. Just yeah. like Twin Peaks. There you go. Yeah, it's like one of those diners. Classic Twin Peaks. There's like a table of like every off-duty cop possible that works in Haddonfield, minus Frank, yeah. you know, or maybe Frank's holding it down. Maybe Frank's retired. Everybody needs pie. Everybody yeah. needs pie right now. Allison had been doing random dates throughout... Uh, the, the, Tinder, Bumble. Grinder. That's for dudes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't date online. So one of the cops that she was dating comes over and starts kind of macking on her a little bit, like right in front of Corey. Well, he's been harassing her, macking on her for a while. He's right. the one that pulls her over the beginning and is like, you never called me back for a date. What's up? Oh, by the way, your muffler's fucked up. See you later. That and guy. she's like, oh, I hate this guy. Right. And he's just trying to get in and like, hey, let's go ahead and go on more dates. Let's do this. And then fucking Corey freaks out. Right in front of Corey. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, dudes, recognize that someone's in a relationship or with somebody. Calm she, the fuck and she's down. just going like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And he won't leave her alone. So finally, Corey's like, she said she's good and gets up in this dude's grill. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're that psycho. Oh, hello. Hey, psycho, why are you hanging out with crazy Laurie Strode's uh, granddaughter? He flips. He goes that whole, like, if I'm going to get rejected, I'm just going to burn both of you down. Right. But he gets up in that cop's face and the cop steps down. Mm -hmm. Or so we think. Well, goes back to the table and they're like, do you need to kick someone's ass? He's like, no, I got this. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, Jesus Christ. So Corey ends up driving uh, out out on his motorcycle and we see a car following him. It's that cop. Right, so he lures the cop back into the um, the drainage the, ditch area, yeah, right, the overpass where the homeless man's tent is, where Michael Myers lives. Right, and the cop shows up and he's looking around for Corey and he unzips the tent and out falls the dead homeless man. And I thought the cop might have more of a reaction to that. <laughs> oh, look, a murdered body. Uh, that's not. That's neither here nor there. I'm here to kick ass. No, the cop turns out I was like, "Where are you at, you psycho?" And it's like, uh, "Bro, murdered body." Yeah, don't it, care anything, about that. Anything at least. T- uh, you know, ratchet up the like, my life could be at jeopardy here. Right. No, uh, homeless Steve is always dead. Who cares about <laughs> him? So he, uh, sees, that's Haddonfield for you. Right. He sees Corey go into the drainage pipe and he follows him in. He's like, where are you at, psycho? Where are you at, freak? And from out and behind, he gets a plastic bag thrust over his head and he's choking him out. And that's Corey. He's got him wrapped up in this bag and he's looking at Michael Myers going, do it. Fucking do it. Show me how you kill. Like, yeah. basically, he's like, show me how you tap into this. Now, at this point, though, Michael Myers has been very weak, very like, like kind of like he's still strong, but he just looks like a shambling old man, like a shell of what he used to be. And then he goes and stabs the cop mm-hmm. for Corey. And then he starts stabbing the cop for Corey. And you can tell there is a change. Like, he's he's got it. He Stella got his groove back, basically, because he is like now putting effort into it. He's standing very statuesque. Like he is back, baby. 
but he's not fully back. Not fully. I mean, he he is never the intensity that he was in the previous two. No, he will never be that again. But it's very obvious that he is getting back into full form and becoming like a he he can lift people up with one hand again. But is he a man, or is he a beast? He can. Is he a monster? Apparently, he's both. Whenever is he a Muppet? He's he's anything it needs to be when the writers want him to be that for that scene. That's how versatile Michael Myers is. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, so yeah, so he, they kill they kill the cop, mm-hmm. and at this point, Corey is like, "Okay, I got it. I know what I need to do." Because he looks at the mask, and he's like, "Okay, I see what we're doing here." And then at this point, I think he's going to go on a killing spree. Yeah. He's like, I've learned from daddy. <laughs> You've shown me the way. I learned from watching you, okay? Literally, it's that PSA. <laughs> Where did you learn to murder Haddonfieldians? I that... learned from watching you, dad. Do they call them Haddonfieldians? Haddonfieldonians? Haddonfieldonites? Had... <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to have a string of kills at this point. So now we cut to, and Mark, I'm going to let you leave on this because I don't remember exactly, but we cut back to the doctor from Allison's office getting home and in tow with him is, you know, Becky, whatever her name is. Miss, use it or you lose it. I'm going to get the promotion <laughs> over you, Allison. I'm the new head nurse, right? They wander in, obviously, at an, after a night of drinking. Uh, the doctor lives in a nice, palatial state. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes... And he goes, Siri, play the way you move by Santana or some shit. Like <laughs> I don't remember what song it was, but like any, any douchebag that basically pops wine and then basically goes, Siri play such and such. And it was like, Oh, you can go to hell. And why don't you go take a shower and clean up you filthy pig? What the fuck? What is it with movies? And be like, why don't you go shower up and I'll be there in a minute. It's like, look, I get it. No one wants to date like a, a, a disgusting, filthy person, but I've never been like, why don't you go shower before I fuck you? Look, we went out to the all-you-can-eat spaghetti buffet, and we have nothing but sauce all over yourself. Go get clean. Maybe if you're hanging out with, like, goats or something like that, sure, maybe go shower (laughs) up. But, I mean, they went to a nice restaurant. I know. But, yeah, it's a cliche fucking bullshit (laughs) that movies do. Never tell my wife to go get cleaned up after dinner. I think it's supposed to be a douchey guy thing. (laughs) It just allows our couple to get split up and get murdered. Yeah. Right? It was exactly what happens. So, while she's off in the shower, uh, he's outside getting, like, his jacuzzi ready or whatever. Take a little fire pit with some wine and you know just really trying to set the douchey mood and it cuts to becky the nurse we're just making up names now so who cares uh you hear the doctor scream out shot outside she's like what the fuck and she goes out there and the lights are out she she goes goes, dr zayas or whatever the doctor (laughs) whatever the doctor's name is she said this is what something the movies do all the time like like, she says his name like 20 fucking times like i get it after the fifth time if they don't answer just stop calling their name i think after a dinner date you're not calling him doctor or anything you're calling him that's his thing dude Look, mm. he want, he doesn't want a dirty girl, and she wants to date a doctor. Okay. okay. I go by doctor. That's my first name. <laughs> uh, she goes outside and flips on the switch, and there is old um, Scarecrow Mask Corey stabbing him over and over again. Yep. And it takes her about a, what feels like a minute to realize that something bad is happening. Well, the shock is set in. She doesn't know what to do. Right. But then she runs back inside, gets her phone, tries to call 911. Corey is in his scarecrow mask, banging on the window. Dude, there's like metal chairs by you. Like your fists aren't doing it. Grab Mm. something. He's trying to bust his way in and you're like, oh no, she's going to call the cops. You know, Haddonfield 911, what's your emergency? And then out of nowhere, bam, Michael Myers from behind grabs her. 
One hand pins her up against the wall, knifes her through the stomach or the, the chest area, and then lets her go, and she's hanging on the knife. Classic Myers. That's his signature move. I love that move. It's pretty good. It's so creepy. And you watch the life leave her body, and she's just mm-hmm. dangling there. So what was this? Was this like... Um, this was revenge killer for... Killer in training, like Michael's going to go out with the rookie to make sure he can do what he needs to do. I don't know if it was like, you know, like let's let, let's let's accompany the baby bird for his first flight. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It did, but I don't know if it was planned that way. I think it was, but no, this was him getting revenge for Allison because she got passed over for the job. He was doing her a favor. It was also, yeah, it was his first, you know, like you know, take me out of my first hunt, daddy. Right. Because throughout the rest of this movie, Michael will just randomly show up where murders are happening, but other yeah. times not. So it's like, well, what's, what's the deal here? Are you on where needed? <laughs> right. I guess <laughs> we, okay, this is the craziest thing. After he does this, after these murders happen with Michael Myers and Corey, it smash cuts to the next scene with Corey on the motorcycle driving down the street. <laughs> and the thing is the way the shot is established, it doesn't let you know that he went and picked up Allison to hang out with her at some point. <laughs> so it, you think the, the movie makes you think that him and Michael Myers are sitting in tandem on a, like a fucking motorcycle. And like someone's got their arms around the other one. I was waiting for a fucking montage with. I it's just like what the shit. But the way it's it, the smash cuts, it seems like Myers and Corey are on the bike together. But no, uh, Corey actually picked up Allison. They're hanging out. He takes him takes her to Word Radio up right. on the top of the thing, and he's like, "All right, let's get the fuck out of here. We're it's done. Time to this blow place. this joint. We're yeah. leaving Haddonfield. Cool. I'm gonna go get my stuff." Let's blow this pop stand. Yeah. But Corey's got to kill some more. Corey's got to, he's got to perfect the art. Do you think he was actually going to leave Haddonfield? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because he just keeps murdering. I think this was his, his final like coup de gras. I'm going to take out everybody who did a thing to me and I'm going to basically like, I'm going to clean house before I leave. Okay, I was going to say, because usually when you're going to leave town, you pack a bag. You don't go yes. murder your neighbors. Well, he tells her, like, meet me at nine at this place. During this time when she's getting ready to go meet him, mm-hmm. he's out killing all the people who had done him wrong. He kills his mom, and he oh, he runs and get, steals Michael Myers' mask. Corey goes and steals Michael. They have a little a scuffle. Like, he right. goes in, and he's like, I'm ready to do what you do. And they kind of, like, have a scuffle. And Corey kind of overpowers Michael Myers. And takes the mask, like almost like I'm the new Michael Myers. Like, this is me now. Like, yeah, he's like, You got something I want, I need. You replace the old guard, you know? Right. The son has replaced the father. It's like the Sith. There can only be one evil go. guy at a time, I there guess. You go. So he uh, goes to a gas station where our band Geek Mafia is hanging out, getting, I don't know, churros and fucking. Well, he kills his mom first as Michael Myers. And so okay. you see these you see these murders where you're like, oh, shit, Michael Myers is back. But, you know, it's Corey. But then, yeah, so he kills the mom. Then he goes to the uh, he sees the band geeks. And I can't remember what he did at this point. They're at a gas station and he like lures them into the junkyard. Oh, he he, he sketches. He, he etches psycho right. on their hood. Yeah. And they're like, you son of a bitch. And then he kind of like looks over his shoulder like. Come and get me, boys. And um, <laughs> it's that fucking home alone scene. <laughs> yeah. What does he say? He's like, Boss, I'm going through all your private stuff. You better come out and pound me. 
But yeah, he lures him back to the junkyard that he works at, which has a giant crushing machine, which they showed earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I knew the moment I saw that. I was like, well, Michael Myers is going into that thing. I like immediately like saw it. and I was like, there we go. Chekhov's mulcher. Yes. And so he lures the band kids back to the junkyard and they're like, come out, come out wherever you are, Corey. We're going to fuck you up, my dude. And he's like, quietly, not today. So he takes the first kid, David, and kills him in the back of a car. Right. And his head's he, split open or some shit. This kid had been waving around his drumsticks the whole movie, so mm-hmm. he's got a drumstick through the eye. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're like, oh my God, he killed David. We got to get out of here. They start freaking out. And then the junkyard truck, like the tow truck, pops on and starts chasing the other two. One makes it the over two the girls. fence. Yeah. Right? One makes it over the fence, but the reluctant bully doesn't quite make it over the fence. And she gets plowed through the fence. And the car's like on top of the it's, fence and yeah. her pinned underneath. Yeah, it's like a chain link fence. The car hits the fence hits her pins her down so she's like basically got a net of metal on her holding her down under the edge of this car or the truck mm-hmm. and she's all fucked up because there's barbed wire on it and stuff like that and then her friend comes over and is like i'll get you out of there don't worry he tries to lift it up he comes out in his full michael mile regalia Corey, and then hits her in the head with a huge wrench right she's dead caves her whole fucking head in the other main bully had gone in and gotten Corey's stepdad or yeah, who was just hanging out at work late watching um hard to kill <laughs> which i was like with jcv let's let's say exactly what he had headphones on watching hard to kill on his monitors because he didn't want to wake his bitchy wife or whatever that woman well, is. well no he was at work he I just had to live there no 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 they lived at a house oh okay yeah no he was just at work basically being like i don't want to go home yet Okay, okay. That makes more sense. I thought he was like, I got to be quiet around the woman because no, no, she's no. mean. No, he just had his headphones on just because. But yeah, so when the kids are getting killed outside, his stepdad is inside. Uh, one of the kids jump scares, bangs on the glass like, you got to help us. Gives the the main bully, the the, um, the dude with the car, a gun, a rifle. And then he's like, you stay here. I'm going to go find out what's going on. So the dad walks out there and sees the like bodies pinned down. He's like, oh my God, I'll get you out of here. Don't worry. Then uh, Corey, as Myers, stands behind him. The bully's like, he's right behind you. I'm going to shoot him. And the dad stands up like, no, wait. And then like gets shot in the head. He's dead. Oh, man. And this escalates. And so he goes, I'm going to save you. The girl under the fucking metal gate is everyone keeps dying trying to help her. They should have just left her. (laughs) Classic tactic. Yep. They're going to lure the rest out to help the wounded person. That's just classic predator behavior right there. So, yeah, he goes up and he's like, I'll get you out of there. And she's like, no, you're already dead. And then he turned around. He hits him in the (laughs) face with the butt of the gun and then takes a blowtorch and blowtorches the dude's mouth and face. It was so gory. It was so disgusting. No, you're already dead is a really weird way of saying someone's behind you. Yes, I think she has accepted what was happening at this point. So after uh, the main bully gets his head blowtorched in, he goes over and then stomps the chick underneath the chain link fence's head in, just like crush. Like a watermelon. So then she's out of the picture. And that's the end of our band geeks. Well, at this point, yes, it's the end of our band geeks. And Allison's been waiting for um, Corey. And she's like, nine o'clock, right? Where are you? Are we still doing this? During this time, you know, Corey's out there killing it, killing up the storm. He goes to work radio 
and he's going to kill Willie also because Willie earlier told him that like, oh, you're a fucking psycho. Get the fuck out of here, both of you two. Right. Willie so, caught him on the roof. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Gave him some shit, and he didn't like it. So he's got to go kill Willie also before they leave town. So he goes to, to work radio. This is where we see um, Diana Prince, and she basically is the receptionist. She gets killed, and we see her screaming in the background. Willie's got his headphones on. He runs in there, grabs Willie, smashes his mouth against the turntable. Yeah. Breaks his jaw open, moves his, and his tongue's hanging out, and then he cuts his tongue off because he never shuts up. Mm. Come up and at its finest. Symbolic. And then he leaves and sets the radio station on fire. So that's that. Now he's going to go back and pick up Allison because it's time to leave town. At some point in this story, Lori had confronted Corey and said, hey, don't want you to be with her. Yeah, because after right. he gets kicked out of his mom's house, who slaps him, he goes and stays at the house where he killed the kid. Yeah, that's where his new hanging out. I guess the parents moved. Yeah, well, yeah, you don't want to stay in the house where your kid died. You'll be reminded of that every day. That house would be vacant for four years. I, be- I find it hard to believe that a house that big, that lush and posh would sit vacant. No, some Californian asshole is going to come in and buy that property. Fucking Blackwater is going to come in and buy <laughs> fucking assholes. Right. But anyway, there's a housing crisis going on, people. Check it out. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. So Lori, yeah, as you said, like, is like, you need to stay away from her. And he goes, if I can't have her, no one else will. And Lori, like, gets up and leaves. Like She oh, vanishes. Fuck. You don't even see her leave. Like, she's just gone. Yeah. And, you know, Corey's like, what the fuck? But anyway, cut back now to Allison going back to Lori's house where she goes in and they have a confrontation about this whole struggle of her seeing him. I feel he is capable of real harm. Is that what bothers you? Is it suspicion or paranoia? Intuition? An inkling? You got an inkling? I went to his home. I met his mother. I know, he told me. So what, you're stalking him now? No! And you're threatening him. What did I, you say I to him? I see the same thing in him that I saw in Michael. Michael. Michael Myers is who you are. You're not listening to me, Allison. I am trying to protect you. I don't want your protection. But uh, Allison refuses to to accept it. She's like, I want better for you. You shouldn't have to deal with what I dealt with. And then Allison, this really pissed me off about Allison. I can't fault her character too much. But she like, Corey has said, I've killed people. Now, she maybe thinks it's the kid. But like Corey is, his demeanor has changed. Like this is classic psycho killer behavior. I was waiting for Allison to go, you want to extrapolate on that? Care to, care to elaborate? Right. Uh, No, she just is like, cool. But yeah, at this point she's all on board for the bad boy. But like, we're not talking like pick on non band kids, but like, (laughs) you know, this is like full on like psycho behavior and she's in for it. And it's like, do you not know you have a history with Michael Myers? Did you also find it strange that the movie never once stopped to go, where are all these missing people? Like, the like for instance, the cop that has been dead for maybe two days now? I'm sure they're looking for... Well, this is all within a day. This you is think all within so? like a all, day or two. Yeah. It felt like it was a couple days. Well, the killing happens like all pretty much on Halloween night. Okay. Because he does all this killing like Halloween night, maybe the day before. So okay. who knows? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, they have a confrontation. And she's like, you can't stop me. I'm leaving. Blah, 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 blah. The thing that got me is Lori kind of knows at this point that Corey is like gone full psycho. She knows it. She sees it. She hasn't seen the, the murders or anything like that, but she just knows he's on a path. She now at this point, this is where we get the final confrontation pretty much, right? Yeah. And, and Lori 
Allison tells Lori, he's like, you're just projecting onto Corey. It's your own trauma. You've never been accepted. You have the guilt. You've killed my parents. I don't want you in my life anymore. I'm over you. Deuces, I'm out. Yeah. So Lori sits down and she unlocks her safe and takes out a pistol and is playing through this whole scene where she's going to kill herself. Yes. So she she's like, oh, no, what have I done? I've lost the only person I care about. It's going to end badly. She, I mean, she doesn't know that he's killing people, but she knows that like this is not going to go good for her. She calls 911 is like, I want to report, report a, suicide. a suicide. And she loads the gun and she walks out of frame. And then you hear a bang. You hear a shot. And honestly, did you think she killed herself? I was confused. And I was like, is the movie really going to have her go out like this? I thought they did. You did. Because everyone, everyone's like, there's a surprise. Don't ruin the surprise ending. And right. I was like, when it's like, bang, I was like, fuck me. She killed herself. I was yeah. like, wow, what a fucking. And, and at this point, she's going upstairs and like getting all the preparation for her suicide. Here, taking off her jewelry, you know, like really going through the motions. And she's hearing noises in the house. I, I wonder noises. now, what, what do you think the movie would have felt like if they had killed her? And then Corey opens the door, who's now adorned the Michael Meyer mask. And I would like to see like Allison finding him in the Myers mask with the knife and her grandmother dead from a shot to the head. Okay. Well, this is what I thought was going to happen in that aspect. This is going to be a little bit longer episode just because we're going to get into some of the, uh, our, our random conspiracy theory stuff here. Hmm. I thought she was going to kill herself or I thought she killed herself. I thought Corey was going to open the door in the Michael Myers outfit and basically find it. And then I thought Michael Myers, who had actually been like trailing him around to other murders and stuff like that, was going to see that she was dead. Myers was going to be like, you robbed me of my like my my perfect love kill. You took my and they were going to fight each other. You took my precious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I thought Myers was going to fight Corey and that was going to be a whole thing. And then um Allison was going to show up during that fight and have to decide, do I save Corey from Michael Myers or do I realize that Corey's also a psychopath at this too? Do you think that's a better ending than what we got? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Cause the thing is I would have been cool with either direction, but no, I I'll say no, because I really like what happens next back to non-conspiracy theory. This is actually what happens <laughs> in the movie. Boom shot. The door gets pushed open with Corey and the Michael Myers mask. And you think, oh, my God, Michael's here. And Laura goes, bitch, you think I'm really going to kill myself? Not here. Not today. <laughs> I was like, She's right. like, not on my watch, son. And shoots him. Plugs him twice. I put two shots in his shoulder. <laughs> right. That's my terrible Donald Pleasance, but I'm sticking with it. It's better than mine. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to harm our audience with my version of that. Audience, feel free to contact us on our social media. Give us your best Donald Pleasance impression. Tag us. Tag the Grave Talk podcast in it. Mm -hmm. We want to hear your pleasant impressions. Yes. Make we, it pleasant. We, we'd like to be pleasantly surprised Boom! by your pleasant impression. This is why we're here, people. <laughs> the bad puns. Um, so Corey goes down and... Falls on the stairs. Right. And Lori... I tumble for ya. They should have played that. That would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> she starts having a conversation with him on the ground, and then Corey reiterates, like, if I can't have her, no one can. Well, okay, this is important. I'm actually going to backtrack just a little bit. She shoots the rest of the bullets into the wall. And I was like, what is she doing? Why? And then she goes, you know what? You want to be, you want to be this? Kill me then. Do it. Now, right. she wants him to kill her so Allison can see that he's a psychopath that killed 
her her, her grandmother. Is that what you thought? Yes. I thought she was no. just going to bare knuckle beat his ass. No, she wanted him to. She's like, you know what? I'll sacrifice myself to get Allison to be scared of you. And the thing is, is he like starts gripping the knife and he's like, wait a minute. You sly motherfucker, you. <laughs> and he goes, I told you, if I can't have her, no one else will. Takes the knife and stabs himself in the fucking neck. Mm-hmm. Just jams the fucking huge blade into his jugular. And then she's like, no, my plan. You know, like she's like, because now she's like, oh, shit. Lori's going to see that you're dead. I'm alive. She's going to think that I did it because I don't like you. Right. Allison's going to be. Yes, tricked. Allison. Sorry. Uh, but then Lori goes, takes the knife out. And sure enough, Allison, Allison walks, walks in through right, the door. Everyone's timing is perfect in these movies. Right. And she's like, no, me, me, what me <laughs> promise. He's like, it wasn't me. <laughs> Shaggy's like, I know how you feel. Um, like someone's shaggy butt, reference there. Someone's butt naked somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Allison walks in. Now, I loved this because Lori, who's always been a smart thinker, she had an elaborate plan. And Corey was like, I got you. Like, he saw right through it. And he was like, nope, I'm going to take your plan. I'm going to play a reverse card Uno style on you. And now you got to draw four. Mm-hmm. And so Allison walks in and is like, what have you done? She's like, it wasn't me. I, I don't know. Ah. Drops the knife. Allison. Bolts. Yeah, believes that her grandmother killed Corey because she's so obsessed with Michael Myers. Why wouldn't she? Now, the Michael Myers mask has been taken off at this point, so Corey's face is vis- visible. The Myers mask is laying to the side in the house. Right. And Lori's stricken with grief. She's just kind of wandering the house now, pacing around sad. And then who shows up but old Mikey. Papa Myers. He shows up and t- puts the mask back on, and we're going to have our final confrontation between slasher and final girl. Mm-hmm. First final girl of all the slashers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get Now, this was interesting because do you think all this time later, Myers shows up to finish the job? Do you think it was because he saw Corey dead and was like, ah, my my lineage, my next link in the chain, I've got to get revenge for that? Or do you think it was just like, well, I'm here, Lori's here, let's just go ahead and do this? I think Michael was chaperoning all the kills and he just was going along with him. He's like, all right, you take point. I'll be in the bushes if you need me. Well, th- these last couple kills, Michael was not chaperoning. Well, we don't know. He could have been in the shadows. Because well, he, he jumped, because Corey jumped, Myers stole his mask and ran off. Now, I'm oh, sure he's playing right. catch up. I'm sure. sure he's playing like, well, let me follow him. Where, where would I go? Good point. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah. at this point, I don't think, I think on the, all the other kills, yes, chaperone was the, the word. Hmm. I think on this one, it was like, damn it, he's stolen the car keys and he's out joyriding. I got to go find him, you know? Sure. And I think they all end up at the same place because why wouldn't you? What you don't know is the mask has an actual tracker in it, one of those GPS, little, little key fogs those or whatever. Apple chip things. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> So, right, he's got the mask on, and they start going at it. Lori and Myers. And this fight is brutal. It is. It's like grabs her by the throat. She's kicking his shins. And you can tell that Michael's not. Kicking his shins. (laughs) I know she does that in the movie, but like of all the things that happened to Myers in this scene, that's the one you start with. And I mean, it's accurate, but it's just funny because it's like kick him in the shins. I used to play peewee soccer, man. I used to wear (laughs) shin guards. You ever get kicked in the shin? That shit sucks. Look, I used to ride BMX with metal like pedals. Mm -hmm. I've had those go in and hit bones. So so. you know the importance of taking care of those shins. (laughs) Yes, it'll bring stars to your eyes. So she's like, he lets her go. But again, Myers is not at full power. 
which is so weird because I know we're supposed to believe that he's been through a lot. He got the shit kicked out of him in part two, you know, like he's never fully recovered, but he seems like he's gotten a lot more strength than he had at the beginning of this movie. Right. He's not full. He's running on evil. See what I did there? Hold on. Where's the power button? Where do I turn the volume off on this? I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> but yeah, so again, it's like, okay, was the kills reviving him to some degree? To like, I'm saying he's probably at 65%. Yeah, he's not working at full capacity. Right. Because um, he's getting overpowered by Laurie Strode on some really e- easy stuff. And I'm like, whoa. Right. And then we see the Don't scene. Don't get me wrong. Fucking what's her face? Um, oh, God. Why can't I remember her name now? Laurie Strode, actress. Oh. Uh, you made me blank. It's uh, contagious. Uh, 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 <laughs> J- Jill Valentine, Jamie Foxx, Jamie Lee Curtis, Damn Jamie it. Lee Curtis, Jamie Foxx. So close. I know. I was almost saying. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, though. I'm going to take a moment. Jamie, fucking banger. Like, she has got muscles. Like, she is in such good shape. So, like, when she starts fighting Myers, I'm like, I'd buy it. Like, I have no doubt she could hold her own to a degree mm-hmm. against him. But the problem is, although there, there is a massive size difference, I'm talking like James Jew Courtney's like biceps are as big as her head. So to believe that she's like totally overpowering him in this stuff, like really kind of made me feel like, oh, Myers is weakened. Like, I didn't feel like it was a fair fight. <laughs> Just saying, like, I I thought it was a more fair fight. No, it's a more fair fight in the fact that they, she could actually hold her own. But I'm like, no, come on. Michael Myers is supposed to be this like immovable right. object. You wanted a full powered shape. Yes. Right. I want her to kick the shit out of like a, a in his prime. Sure. Well, we've already tried that. Yes, I know. But she's got to win. Yes. So the, we see the scene that was in the trailer where they go towards the, the dishwashing sink. The garbage right. disposal. Right. Turns that on. Sink. Yeah. You know, it's it's a thing. Look into it. I thought I thought they were going to take her fingers off. Well, it's on and yeah. it, her hand goes in and I thought she I did get her hand. scrape the knuckles. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought she got it. her hand fucked. Right. No, but she, uh, she overpowers him, throws him on the kitchen table, stabs him in the hand, mm-hmm. pins him down, finds another butcher knife and stabs his other hand. And the way I'm describing it, this is a very difficult task for her to do. It's not just like, Oh, this easy takes a ton of effort. And so the second like paring knife that she puts in his second hand, she takes a, uh, fucking cast iron skillet and hammers it into his hand. Like she bangs it like three times to be like, you're really pinned in there. Right. You're not getting, you're just- not gonna be able to pull this knife out of the, uh, the, the, the wood counter very easy. Exactly. And so he's, he's down. And then she takes a fridge <laughs> and lean and, and pushes it over to crush his like legs against the edge of the cabinet. And, and I think in any other circumstance, he would have been able to get away. Yes. But he's not full powered. No, he's not. And so he's pinned. He's mm-hmm. there. Now, Allison runs in at this point and she's like, my word, what have you done? Because she like realizes that Myers could be back at the house. You know, she's like, oh, wait, maybe Lori wasn't the perpetrator here. She runs back to the house, happens to run in right when Lori is there killing Myers and she, she like breaks his arm. <clears throat> Allison snaps his arm in half. That's right. <clears throat> Because he does get free of one of the pairing knives. Well, yes, at one point. So before that happens, Lori's like, finally, I've got you. You're just a man. And she basically cuts his throat open, like slices his throat open. So he's bleeding out from the neck. Right. And then she goes, wait a minute, stabs him in the fucking underneath the arm in the carotid artery. You know, I think that's a carotid artery, right? Under the arm. I'm no doctor. Okay. Don't ask for my opinion. We had a doctor, but he died earlier. So right. we're in this situation. And so then she does that. And so he's bleeding out. Like there's pools of blood everywhere. And then she like, that's when Allison runs in and Allison's like, oh my God. And they're like, well, hold on. And they slice his wrist open to make him bleed out from the wrist too. 
Now, I thought, this is the moment I thought, okay, this is where he stops bleeding, and then he gets the fuck up. And we see it doesn't matter if he's bled out. It doesn't matter if you've beat him with 30 people. He is literally unstoppable. Like, this is where I thought we were going to get our massive, like, he is bigger than anything you could have ever imagined evil-wise. But no, he's just bleeding out. Then he rips his hand out from the knife, splits his hand open in two, grabs Lori by the throat and is stabbing, is, is choking her to death. And she's like, do it. Like, she's ready. Like, I'll take you out, but you can take me out, too. Right. This is Allison runs up, breaks Michael Myers' arm. And then at this point, they, they cut him again some ways to bleed him out completely. I'll bleed you real quiet. Leave you here. Got that. He's going down for good. The cops show up at this point. Frank busts in and he's like, Lori, oh my God. And then he's like, is that Michael? He's dead. And she goes, not dead enough. <laughs> I love that line. And this is where every, I think most people's contention with the movie starts. But just real quick, before we do the final yes. procession, if you will. The fight scene. Yeah. Did you like it? I thought it was good, but I'm with you. I think they really should have gone to the supernatural side of this. Because, as I said, a 70-something-year-old man taking beatings like he's been taking through this trilogy just doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like Leatherface in the fucking Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. How he's like 70-something and still is just a unstoppable monster. <laughs> running, through, running through shotgun blasts. The human body does not allow for that. I don't care if you're in tippity-top fucking shape. Even the old juice man with the wild eyebrows that was <laughs> juicing until he was 90 would have been taken down. Like It just doesn't work that way. That's not how physiology works. So they they set it up to have been that spiritual payoff and they didn't pay out. And again, it doesn't have to be supernatural necessarily, but like, again, the unknown, we don't understand. The moment they made him human, like by saying, you're just a man, you're just a man, we're going to cut your arteries, you're just a man. I was like, okay. And it kind of knocks him down a peg in terms of like your slasher pantheon of he's no longer supernatural is what you're telling me. This trilogy saying he's not Sam Hain. He's not all these other things that he's been. This incarnation of Myers is just an old man who can take a fucking beating. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt there's some old dudes out there. They can fucking take a beating and put a beating down. I have no doubt that Arnold could still kick some fucking ass. But you he know? ain't getting his ass kicked like in this movie. No, no. Getting beat up on the street like he did in part two. No, no normal person. Not happening. That. But the thing is that fight in part two and kills where they're like beating him in the street, 30 people with bats, wood, everything, metal poles. And then she's like, he gets back up and she's like, the more he kills, the less human he becomes. You've set the fucking stage. Right. That he's beyond just a human. So like, they're like, you're just a man. I was like, fuck you. He's not like, ah, I was so annoyed with that. But yes, I liked the fight. I never thought for a moment that Lori was going to lose. Right. Cause you knew they wouldn't. They I mean, they've already killed her in the franchise. He prior. Rips his hand up and starts choking her. I was like, okay, they're both going to go out together. Okay. That's fair. I, I bought that. It's but your... I at no point thought like, Oh, Lori's going to fucking just get manhandled and killed, which would have been cool. Also, if she just got totally destroyed by Myers and Allison came in and was like, what have you done? And it's go time. And Allison kicks the shit out of him at that point because right. she's like youthful and just crazed, you know, like with Lori is the new Myers. She's the new Lori. Yeah. You know, yeah. something like that. So, but that's not how it goes down. He's no. dead, 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 dead. No, I mean, they're gone. Split. Out of here, afterlife kids. Deceased. 
Yes. Lori goes, he's not dead enough. So they strap him to the top of a cop car like he's some so they sort of... They put a strap on on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be a different film. But they strap him to the top of a car like he's a piece of luggage. And I wish they were outside banging pans okay. or something to wake up the town. Before this happens, though, they, yes, they take Michael... Uh, yeah, they take Michael Myers' body. I almost said Leatherface's body. They take Myers' body and, and tie it down to the top of the cop car. Now... The uh, sheriff or the, uh, the 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 state deputy or whatever pulls up with a cowboy hat that we've seen in the previous films. Right. And he's like, he's all like, they're like, other cops are like, this isn't how we do things. And the, that guy goes, it is tonight. And I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck is happening here? Because I thought they were going to get like, it's time for street vengeance. And no, I was no. like, okay, I get it. You know what happened? <laughs> Evil died tonight. No, so this it, is what we're doing tonight. It clearly <laughs> did. But the thing is this, when he says, this is how we do it this time. And I was like, okay, cool. I did not expect the visual that happens next. They slowly drive this body on top of the, the car over to the junkyard. But as they drive through town, every town member is awake. They're getting in their cars. They're following like a funeral procession through Haddonfield. There's people walking down the street. They all get to this junkyard. There's like 150 people there, maybe 200 people there. All right, we're doing this. This was the weirdest thing. Now, I understand the concept of it. Haddonfield has been terrorized by this person for years, years and years. Mm -hmm. And they're finally rid of it. So people want to be like part of it. But when everyone lifts his body up off the car and slowly like crowd surfs him over to the big crushing machine, the mm -hmm. big mulcher, but everyone does it as if they're like touching the queen's body, like farewell, <laughs> farewell. It was like, oh, what a weird, weird, like visual this is. It's like that Sam Raimi Spider-Man moment yes, in the subway. Yes, where they're like pulling <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh God, that's perfect. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. It's like, we love you, Spider-Man. I was like, we love you, Michael Myers. You know, like. <laughs> I have to believe that at some point, and this is a little Mark headcanon here, is that they had already planned for this event to occur, that the entire town will get up. We will watch this evil die tonight because we're done with the pain we're done with the stories we're done with the wondering this town is going to be released as Do you a think whole. Haddonfield had like a like an amber alert type thing on their phones where it was all yes. like Myers is dead everybody wake up oral Cindy Lou on the neighborhood app just said it's happening and everybody got up and got to their cars and went to the junkyard like that's what happened oh it was so weird I remember uh, talking to the roommate after this because I was all like wait a minute did everyone just walk by the blowtorched body at the entrance to the, the junkyard when they went in but she was like there was barricades set up. But uh -huh. that's the thing is, cops set up barricades to funnel traffic into a certain area of this thing. Again, this was a city mandated ordinance. Like this when he had dies, to be and we some have kind his, of pre-planned. Yes, right. When we have his body, this is how we doing it. No questions. I would have been much happier with this scene if it seemed a little less, more, a little more disorganized. Like if there was someone like, like Tommy, you got to get up. They found him. Come on, let's go. Like, well, you know how you practice for a wedding the day before. Like we've already had this. <laughs> duck and cover. Every, <laughs> once every other month, we come out to the junkyard and go through the motions. <laughs> so that's what's happening here. But they passed, like you said, the, the, body, the crowd passes the body to the mulcher. We watched the body get crushed, which was a great effect. It was clearly like a physical. Uh, like a dummy or dummy something or like something that. Like but it was it really realistic. Chopped up, turned into probably the pink chicken nugget paste from, you know, like a McDonald's Easily. or something like that. I, I totally eat a Michael Myers. They should have just, you know, fried it. And dipped Michael it in, McNugget. <laughs> and dipped it in some barbecue sauce. I'll take a McMyers. Yeah. 10 piece McMyers, please. <laughs> uh, and that's the movie. I think. 
No, 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 no. Is there more to there's, it? There's the epilogue. So okay. they crush Myers, and then we get Laurie Strode, who the, the the narrative device of this whole movie is her writing her manuscript about all this and, you know, talking about, like, it's pure evil, and, you know, I tried to move on, and but can you truly ever extinguish evil? So we've been getting a narration mm. of her reading her manuscript over the story, so we kind of, like, kind of progress the, uh, the plot that way. They crush Myers. At this point, uh, Allison's leaving town with a voiceover from Lori saying, you know, like, now that this is truly over, you know, what does it mean to move on with your life? What does it mean to truly be free of evil? Can you ever be blah, blah, blah? You know, like, just some general... the final word is that you can't extinguish evil. It just changes shape. Yes, exactly. And that was the final thing. I was like, it just changes shape, which, bump, 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 there could be more Halloween movies, but with a different Michael Myers. Who and what? We don't know. A different shape, i.e., we're not done with this shit yet. Maybe for a while. I feel like they'll focus on some other franchises for a little bit, but yeah. this is definitely set up to like, it can come back and what are you going to do? Yeah, Fred, that's Freddy it. Freddy Claw from the dirt, grabbing the Myers mask <laughs> and dragging it down to hell. That's what we're waiting for. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the final thing is she says that and then it says Halloween ends and then Halloween disappears and it just says ends and then the credits roll and there's no after credit scene. We stuck around just in case. Yeah. Now, what did you think of Nick Castle's cameo? Oh, he, he? he was the flasher in the Halloween party when he was... Was that him? Yeah, that was Nick Castle. Oh, okay. Well, I thought it was him, because like, if, if that was James Duke Courtney with old man makeup on the table, then fucking bang on. I thought that looked like Nick Castle, too. Well, you never like, actually... It, again, like this movie, the franchise will never let you fully see Myers' yes. face. So it's always like out of focus or in, in, you know, in the so background. So the flasher was Nick Castle? Yeah. Oh, okay. I can't remember exactly what his line was, but I laugh. I was like, that's nice. They let Nick Castle be. Well, he's like, he's got a, a coat and he like opens it up and he's like got all these organs and stuff drawn on his stomach. But like, you can tell he's got no clothes on. So he's like, yeah. do you, you know, do you want anything here or something like that? Right. But so that was cool. Uh, overall, I found this movie to be enjoyable, though not what I expected. I'm in dis- I'm am disappointed in with how the Myers mythology was wrapped in this version of the story, uh, but I think it was worth a watch. I, yeah, I really liked this movie. I didn't really have a huge problem with the end. I thought it was a very, again, the Spider-Man aspect of it felt, that was the part that felt weird. Like having them follow through town was definitely like, what? Everyone's just going to wake up at 3 a.m. to follow this body? Okay. I mean, good luck getting me up. I don't care what it is. They're like, they got Michael Myers' body. I was like, cool, tell me about it tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm in bed. But yeah, when they, they moved his body, a la Spider-Man, that was the part I was like, oh boy, here we go. But again, other than that, I didn't have too much of a problem with it. I liked the whole red herring of Corey being the new Michael Myers and doing a lot of the killing in this movie. Myers didn't kill many people at all. I think two people total. Yeah, that's he true. killed the He killed the homeless guy. No, no, no. You know, he did kill the homeless guy because he was showing uh, no, Corey, was Corey how to do he it. He killed the cop. No, no, no. Oh, yes. Yeah, Corey, yes, you're right. Corey the killed cop. the cop when sorry. he came out of the drainage ditch. I'm sorry. Scrap he, all that. He killed the homeless man when he came out of the drainage yes, ditch. Yes, Corey did. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Myers only killed the, the cop, the off-duty asshole cop, and then the um, the slutty um, uh, nurse. He didn't do that either. That was, yeah, he did. He pinned oh, her up against the wall, dude. You're right. Okay. Yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. You're right. But I think that's it. I think everything else was Corey. Yeah, again, I really, I thought I was going to have more of a problem with that when they first introduced it in the movie. I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of dumb, maybe. But it worked out really well. And I liked the whole, the effects that all this has on the human, like over time and stuff like that. I liked exploring that in this trilogy quite a bit. 
I don't know if the franchise and this being a simple slasher film that started the the flasher, the flasher films that started the slasher franchise as a whole really has the bones to hold up something so weighty that they tried to do. And again, like I told you, like the second movie just kind of falls flat at the end of this trilogy. Um, I think it did, but the, the idea is there okay. before though. And I, I will give them props for doing something different in this yes. one. It's just not another, there goes Michael killing his way through town. It's another mm-hmm. Halloween in Haddonfield. You know what I mean? So yeah. pr- kudos for doing something different. I just really think they should have had a bigger, like, you know, you know, the, the, the orchestra should have kicked in a little bit heavier when Michael finally came out of the, the tunnel to like do his thing. Mm-hmm. Like the final fight should have been so much more grandiose, especially after that bait and switch, like preamble, where fucking Corey stabs himself in the neck. I was, I was like, whoa, like we're already on edge. We don't know what the fuck's going on at this point. To have a fight that spanned the space of the house, the the front yard, anywhere, you know, like would have been much more grand and epic. I wish right. that fight would have been a little bit bigger. I think you're going to have a lot of fans of the franchise very upset that it's so Michael Light. And it's going to be just like it was with Friday the 13th 5 with Roy. Mm-hmm. And there's no Jason Voorhees in it. Again, that doesn't bother me too much because I'm not like super invested into the Halloween lore like a lot of people are. But I can like this I, guy right here, <laughs> right? So, I, but I can see their their frustration if they just want a Myers guy doing the Myers killing. You're going to be a little let down. But I would recommend checking it out. It's yeah. on Peacock right now. Give it a watch. Um, see it in theaters if you can, though. Definitely healthy an issue. Definitely see it in theaters. It's really cool. It's like great on the big screen. There's some great shots in it too. Anything you want to say before we wrap, Garrett, about Halloween trilogy or ends? I think people are being a little tough on the ending. I get it. It's not what a lot of people were expecting. And yes, it does feel very heavy handed and very kind of like, what? They're trying to put a wrap on this. Um, I liked this trilogy a lot. Now, I will say this. David Allen Greer or no, not David Allen Greer. That's a different. That's an actor. John, uh, David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green. If you guys go back to this well. Even though it will not be Myers himself, please look into maybe doing more with the the Sam Hain aspect. All right. Well, that's all we got on this one. Garrett, what are we going to do next time? I think we already mentioned it at the top. Well, we were going to do Day Shift on Netflix with Jamie Foxx, the vampire movie, but we're pulling a little switcheroo. Mm-hmm. We're going to go Hellraiser. A lot of buzz right now about this new Hellraiser. Hellraiser. On Hulu. So if you got Hulu out there, you can get it watched. Um, but yeah, the next one is going to be the 2022 Hellraiser, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where evil may or may not die tonight. We're not sure. Actually, we are sure because you and I have already seen it, but we'll act like we don't know just in case to get you guys excited. I have no idea what happens in this movie. What is a hell and what is a razor? (laughs) All right. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us on another one. You can find everything we're up to at thegravetalk.com. We got a a Facebook, a Twitter, and an Instagram. Shoot us any comments and likes. Please subscribe. Go leave us some comments on iTunes. That shit always helps. We're getting by by word of mouth mostly these days. But um, yeah, likes, ratings, subscribes, you know, word of mouth, that stuff goes a long way. Let's get us to a point where we can basically start getting some like special screenings and they'll fly us out to Hollywood to check out the new Halloweens before they go live and be like, yo, it's Garrett live in Hollywood to talk to you guys about enter random movie here. It'll probably just be like porn movies. We're never going to get that big. (laughs) It's just it's just horror porn parodies. We want to be big enough to be invited to the premieres of horror porn parodies. 
So anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for all y'all do. Uh, Keep hitting us up. Keep talking to us. And we'll keep putting out episodes for you. All right. See you next time.